Hi, this is Carrie Ann Reed Brown, and this is Carry On Friends, the Caribbean American podcast. November 2016 is when I lost my grandmother. My grandmother passed away the day after election day, and it was the most surreal thing that has happened to me at this point. The year ended going about your lives, but there's this gaping hole where something is just so different. January's 2017 starts and I'm feeling okay. I'm in a job. I got a promotion. I'm about to get an award towards the end of that month, um, maybe in February. So I was feeling good. So late January comes around, get an award, and about a week later, I lost my job. And the day I walked out of the office was the, the day I picked up the phone to call my grandmother, and that's when it hit me that she had passed away. It just didn't connect until that moment when I needed her is when I realized that she is no longer here. So in addition to grieving the loss of a job, it fully came down on me that my grandmother is gone and she's not coming back. From that point on, it was a blur. It was so hard. I'd get up and I'd do my morning runs and I'd, and I'd do all these things and grieve. Grieve at that point. I was grieving more the loss of the job. I was angry. I was upset and I was pissed off because of the politics and the foolishness as to how I lost my job. I was pissed. But every morning I got up, I did my morning run at the park, and it was really the way that I was able to release and process and cry. But it wouldn't look weird because sweat is running down my face because I'm working out. Between March and June, I was looking for a job, but there were also some good things happening. I was slated to speak at the very first Haiti Tech Summit. I was chosen to be a speaker at Podcast Movement in California. So things were looking up. Not only that, in June, I discovered that I was pregnant. It was the shock of a lifetime, but it was also like a very weird time. It's like, oh my gosh, I'm job hunting. All of these things are happening, but as only God can, I got a job and then my grandfather in Jamaica passed away. I was already in a fragile state because it was just like, okay, for months of being unemployed and now being pregnant and now losing the other person that really mattered to me, right? My grandmother and this grandfather who passed away, I, I cannot even begin to describe the impact they had on my life. They were really my parents. And my mom says that they were really my parents because I am the first and they just, we had a relationship that was, that you can't, I, I just can't explain it. And so that was really, really hard at a place where I should be happy and pregnant, celebrating a life. I'm, I finally got a job after being unemployed for months and here I am filled with grief again. So I start this new job and it's going well. The company has a retreat 
every year in September and I go on this retreat and lo and behold, hurricanes are coming. And so I am trying to get out of Florida before a hurricane comes. So by the time September rolls around, you know, I'm still processing and dealing with all the changes that are happening, but you know, things are okay. November 2017 would be coming up on the one year anniversary of my grandmother's passing. And then the next day, my grand aunt, my grandmother's sister passes away. Now, culturally as the Caribbean, grand aunts, grand uncles, second cousins, you know them because you grew up in close proximity. This aunt, like all my aunts, my grandmother's siblings, I grew up knowing all of them. There, there, there was no distance. They were very close. And this aunt in particular, she was not only my grandmother's sister, my grandma, but she was also my godmother and we share a birthday. So this was hard that my grandmother's little sister passed away the day after, a year to the day after my grandmother passed away. And this is tough because in addition to grieving, you know, my grandmother still, here we are grieving my aunt. A week later, maybe two, I get a call. My cousin is murdered. This cousin is the niece of my grandmother and my aunt that just passed. This is beyond what I think I could even imagine happening. Days later, an uncle on my father's side, or he was more like a cousin, but because he was so much older, you called him an uncle. He passed away and I was just like, I I can't. I can't. I just have to kind of, as we would say, tech with myself. I couldn't. I couldn't. I I was dealing with too much already, like pregnant. You have emotions dealing with my own personal. Like there was just so much to deal with. And I thought I was doing fine. I really did. And I thought I was managing just fine until the following week. I tell you, November 2017 was a hard month, a very hard month. So November 2017, and for my colleagues' privacy, I'll leave details. Um, I had a colleague who was going to come up from the new off from another office of my company and to sit down with me because my company knowingly hired me pregnant. They were like, yeah, I I was very transparent in the interview. I'm pregnant and I'm going to have to go out maternity leave soon. And they were like, yeah, sure. We still want to have you. Come on, let's go. And so my colleague was going to come to New York to sit with me because she was going to cover for me. It was a Tuesday morning and I remember it very clearly because we had team meetings on the Tuesday morning and she would take the train up from DC. And I was fully expecting her to be in the office when I got there. I didn't see her. I'm figuring, oh, no, she's probably taking a later train. And then I realized she still wasn't there. So by 10 o'clock, I decided to call her phone and I called her phone and a voice that I didn't recognize answered. I'm like, uh... May I speak to, I asked her, my colleague, and they're like, yeah, she's in the hospital. I'm like, what? And I'm like, yeah, you know, we worked together. I was expecting her and didn't see her. And they were like, yeah, she's in the hospital and she's here and you can come see her. So by then the office is empty because most of the people who work there, they're off on client sites. So for the most part, there's no one in the office. Once the team meeting ends, everyone goes off to the client sites. I know the hospital my coworker is at the time my brother-in-law worked there and I told him to meet me there. 
I went into crisis mode. I have this big belly and I'm like, okay, there's no one else here. I go into crisis mode. I call the H, um, the HR coordinator or someone else at the time. And I said, Hey, this is what's happening. So-and-so was supposed to be here. She's not, she wasn't here when I called her phone, someone picked up and said, she's in the hospital. So you do what you need to do. Get in touch with her family, whatever. Got to the hospital. My brother-in-law met me and because he worked there, he was able to kind of usher me in much faster and get through where I needed to go. When we got into the emergency room, they told me to go in this room and sit down. I went in the room and they came in and my colleague's sister called and I, cause I had to get permission, HIPAA, privacy violation, et cetera. But I had met my colleague's sisters at the company retreat a month, two months prior. So I, we were familiar, put us on the speakerphone. And that's when the doctor told me that my coworker was dead. I... I was beyond, I, at that point, it was just like, I, I, there was nothing else I could do or could say. And, and it was just, it was that thing that was so overwhelming. Cause up until that point, I've never had the experience of being in a room when a doctor has to tell you that a cult, you're a person has passed away. I've never had that experience. I was in a whole other state when my grandmother passed away. It was hard. It was hard. It was one of the hardest things that I had to do. My husband had to drive to get me um, from Brooklyn to come pick me up in the city. And it was, it just felt like the world was on my shoulder. I just wanted to know why am I dealing with all this death? Why do I have to deal with this now? And for full transparency, I was pregnant and I really, I really wasn't very happy pregnant. And it wasn't because I didn't want to be pregnant. I just didn't feel like there was time or room for me to be happy because every moment I turned around, someone I knew, people close to me, even colleagues where you work with who who showed kindness and I just met them and her, her family, they were really nice when I met them and people are dying. I remember having the conversation with the sisters who were struggling to accept what the doctor, I'm looking at this doctor, tell me. And the sisters trying to figure out how they're going to tell their mother that their sister just passed away. I had to then pick up the phone and call my boss from my New York office for him to come to the hospital. He had to identify her body. I the sisters asked me to collect her belongings. At that point, I was struggling. It was hard. I was always crying. It was hard. It was a lot. I didn't know what I needed, but I think I knew what I needed. And in that moment, days, weeks later, as the company goes through the grieving process and Thanksgiving rolls around and all of these things, right? Because this is like all still November. I ask my friend, a friend that I've known since we were kids, as far back as maybe I was six, we grew up together, we went to the same church and I called him up and asked him to pray for me. 
And he's like, why? What's happening? What's going on? And I tried to articulate what was happening. He didn't get why I was upset that this coworker passed away. He he was unable to empathize with me in that moment. And it wasn't the first time during the string of deaths and me just not necessarily the happiest pregnant woman. I don't know what his expectations were. But in that moment, I realized that I can no longer ask you to help me. And it wasn't an argument. I didn't cut him off. I was, in hindsight, I knew I was in a place where he couldn't give me what I needed, but it didn't mean that he didn't care about me. He just didn't have it. He couldn't see what I needed and was in a place to give that to me. He just couldn't, not because he can't, just because he didn't know how. I called up his wife and say, hey, I'm not going to talk to him for a couple days or however long I feel like I need to talk to because I really need empathy and he's just not getting it. And it's because he's used to me just being like, I cool, I'm over it. But no one was used to me being this emotional. She understood and she was like, I got you. Because I said, if he's like, oh, Carrie is not talking to me. She understood why I was giving the timeout. In that moment, I knew I needed prayer because what I was experiencing was so heavy and I knew what I needed, but I didn't want to do it because it required vulnerability. But it was what I heard God say, but I disobeyed and called the friend. And so he wasn't able to deliver because that's not who God said I should have gone to. I ended up calling one of the elders at the church and I just quickly told her what I was dealing with, that my coworkers passing and getting that news firsthand had really just pushed me over the edge emotionally. She said a prayer, I swore that lifted my spirits out of the depths of anguish. I'm not going to say I was healed overnight. Everything was fine, but it was, it was what I needed to really start to process what I was dealing with. And as I started to kind of process and started processing and just kind of journaling and writing through December rolls around and I had a dream. The dream was so clear that I had a dream that I just had my baby. He just like fell right out. And I caught him and he started smiling with me because what was weighing on me at that time was I, in addition to all the deaths and not being able to be fully happy, pregnant, blah, blah, blah. I thought that my emotional state was going to mentally impact my child because I wasn't, I couldn't count on one hand all the happy moments I was pregnant because there was just so much death around me. And so I had this dream. I had this baby. He just kind of fell out. (laughs) Like he just fell and I caught him and I looked up at him and he started smiling. I woke up from that dream knowing that he was going to be okay. It was just that feeling like it was going to be okay. January rolls around and by now I'm having 
the hardest pregnancy physically. It's like physically taxing my body. Like, I'm like, oof. I'm like pushing a lot of pounds. I've never pushed that much. I, it was just a lot. And so February comes around, Harrison is born. And a week later, my older son comes home with a letter. A week after Harrison is born, comes home with a letter. And the letter basically said one of his classmates passed away. The backdrop of that, it was like the strain of the flu that people were passing away from. And my doctor had convinced me to take the flu shot. This Jamaican doctor, she's always like, Carrie Ann, you just, you know. And I said, okay, I'm going to take the flu shot. So this strain of the flu is going around 2017, 2018, and people are dying. And my son's classmate, he's in kindergarten, and this classmate passes away. I look at my son, and he's trying to process he says to me, did she die like great grandma? It was tough because how do you explain to a child? How do you? How? The letter comes with tips on how to speak to kids about death. Because it's 2018. My son wasn't quite five yet, but he would have. He's almost five. And they're talking about what the school is going to do and what school is going to put in place. So that was the Monday he came home with the letter. That Friday morning, my son wakes up. He has a fever of over a hundred and God knows what that number was. And immediately I knew what it was. Here he was with the flu, a newborn baby. Here we are with the flu. Luckily, my cousin had come up from Jamaica because she was like, well, I'm excited for the baby. And she said she was just going to come because she had stuff to do in New York and she would just help with the baby. My husband and I took my son to the hospital and left my cousin at home with the baby. Took him to the hospital and my son is freaking out because his classmate just died and he starts asking if he's going to die. We get to the hospital and the hospital confirms he has the flu. And what we need to do, considering I just had a baby, we had to self-isolate, had to quarantine. And that was so hard because my husband had to take my son, the, the one who had the flu, and I had to stay with the baby and we had to keep separate. We couldn't go to different parts of our house because of the baby's just a newborn. His immune system isn't very strong yet. And it was hard. It was hard because as a mom, I couldn't do what I wanted to do for the four-year-old. And my husband was not able to interact with the newborn. It was, it, was, it was hard. That weekend and the next days after, as I'm like harassing my husband, like every couple minutes, did you check the temperature? We need to rotate between the ibuprofen and the, like the Tylenol and the Motrin, like just doing everything. And so we got through that weekend and here I am. Why am I sharing this story with you? Why am I sharing this high level clip of my life? It was at that moment where I was like, you know what? That little girl passing triggered what I had put off 
for almost for a year and a half at that point. I needed serious grief counseling. I needed therapy. And that little girl passing did it because she was she was a baby. She was four, no more than five. And I had just had a baby and I didn't, and I understood what postpartum depression was, was. And, you know, I had just come back from the, you know, just taking the baby for his checkup after being dismissed from the hospital. And they ask you all these questions to make sure that you aren't experiencing. And I felt like if anything would trigger or tip it, it would be this. And I went, I started going to therapy to deal with the grief to deal with what my therapy had, my therapist had been saying for the past three years at that point, maybe more, I was dealing with trauma, a lot of it coming fast and heavy and not getting the opportunity to grieve one trauma before another trauma came, compounding the trauma. Trauma started in the loss of the job in 2014, getting a job in 2015, having a cousin die, having my grandmother die right around that time, getting this job, like losing a job. And then, you know, all of these things that just happened, there was no time for me to grieve, no time for me to process. And the thing about grief, and when you go through grief in that way, particularly death, you become, I I can't say it for anyone else, but I can say I have gotten anxiety anticipating grief that way again, because what that thing did was it made me realize my mortality and everybody could say, well, you know, life is short. I know this. The, the, the months after my grandmother passed away, I, I was processed and I was dealing with, I was afraid to sleep because I, I was thinking of death. I didn't know it was, it was like, just her death was just this dark. It, it was just like when a cloud passes over the sun, but this cloud was just, just permanently in place in this anticipation of grief. But I'm here to share the story, not only to say, you know, find a therapist or go to therapy, but it's it's the lessons I've learned from that period and the process of going through therapy that I want to share with you. Because this wasn't the episode that I had planned for today or this week. I had another episode. I felt compelled to share this episode because 2020 has been hard. It has been unbelievable hard. Trauma after trauma after trauma. You cannot afford to even process one grief when another grief is happening. I've lived in Milwaukee. So Kenosha, Wisconsin is a back, is my backyard. You know what I mean? My mom is still there. And my mom just got out of a major surgery. It is Friday. I'm talking to my mom. She gets out of a 10-hour surgery, a neurosurgery, and she gets out of surgery. We talk to her. We're getting through her. And there's this message that I get immediately about Chadwick Boseman and the cancer he had, which a family member also had, and he survived. 
And I was like, man, because what grief does, like, I, I have a very different way of processing grief after going through what I've done personally. I feel empathy for the family because I remember going to sleep, waking up thinking, oh, that was all a dream. Even though my grandmother didn't die suddenly, even though we knew that, okay, she was not going to make, it doesn't make it easier. So I'm sure Chadwick's wife, maybe she knew this was going to happen, but it doesn't make it easier. And so I wanted to record this episode because it just feels like at every moment, 2020 felt like my 2017. And so I learned some things. I told you that story and I learned some things that I want to share with you. Some of us might be dealing with job loss. And um, it doesn't matter if it's a pandemic and everybody's dealing with it. A job loss is trauma. Furlough is trauma. Pay reduction is trauma. It's traumatic because now we have to adjust for the financial hit. It is crisis. You're in a crisis mode because you got bills to pay. You got kids to feed. You is just trauma. And so allow yourself to process and feel the way you feel. If you're angry, be angry. Do not resist the emotion of how you feel. The other lesson is the people close to you can't always understand or help you. And it is okay. Now, I told the story of my friend. I love him like a brother because I've known him for that long, over 30 years. And we've been friends. We grew up together. It didn't mean he didn't love me any less. He just was not in a position to give me the support I needed. And I had to also be a friend to understand that if he can't, I can't force him. I just need to embrace the vulnerability to go where I can get the help. And I can't tell you that that first help for you is prayer. I know that's what I needed. I needed I needed someone's faith who was bigger and stronger than mine in that moment to help me find a mustard seed of faith to say, okay, this was going to be okay. So the people closest to you is not that they don't. It's just maybe they can't. They don't have the capacity to. And that is okay. That friend, we're still friends today. Good friends. We've talked through that. We've talked through that. But in that moment, I couldn't communicate in a way he would understand. And I know that he couldn't. But I knew that I, in order to preserve the friendship, I knew I had to just call up his wife and say, hey, sis, this is what's happening, blah, blah, blah. She's like, I got you. That I believe I'm blessed to have that relationship with him and his wife for me to be able to do that and make sure that I keep the relationship intact and um, talk about it when I come out on the other side of how I was feeling. And and we've done that. So right on the heels of that, you got to embrace the vulnerability of asking people for help. I knew it wasn't that I didn't know I could call the elder. This is what the church says. If you need help, you you could call. But this wasn't a blanket request for prayer because a prayer has to be specific. That person is interceding on my behalf. And so I had to get very specific on what I needed and be vulnerable enough to tell her, not worried about her judging me and get the prayer that I needed, and then ask for that support. Coping isn't a bad thing. It's not. 
but I was also realistic that I was just coping. When I knew I was at a point of, Ooh, if I continue like this, it could be bad. I went really for the professional help in the form of a therapist. I couldn't journal. I couldn't do anything because it was, it was, it was consuming. On the last episode of the podcast where Michael K. Jackson was talking about that, I, I felt how it was to be consumed with grief, but I still got up and went to work and no problem. Life is hard. Maybe it's not death. Maybe it's not this. It's the kids going back to school. Hello, it's September. And then am I teaching them right? Are they going to learn? Are they going to all of these things? And remember, I told you the anticipation of grief, November election. What happens between now and then? It wasn't my intention for this to be a somber episode, but I really felt compelled to share because sometimes it just feels like just when I think it can get no worse, it get worse. And if we're not careful, we are in a quicksand and we have, by the time we ask for help mentally and emotionally, it gone bad. And so how do I cope? How do I cope with life? How do I cope after that? How am I functioning now? How am I doing all of this? Every day, is a new strategy because every day is different. So I can't meet the day with the same strategies and it's okay. So this thing might work today. I could probably push it into tomorrow, but if tomorrow dish out something really, really different, I have to adjust and get the tools that I need to deal with the day. I journal, I started journaling again because during the time of the heavy grief, it was hard. I could probably write a word, maybe a sentence, and that was all I could do. And then I was upset that I couldn't write how many 10, 20 pages that I normally could do, right? I was I was beating myself up over things that I didn't, I, was, I, I didn't even empathize with myself. I couldn't even give myself grace or I couldn't even be kind to myself to let myself deal with the feelings that I'm feeling. I don't know what the answer for tomorrow is. All I could tell you is, however life I treat you right now, it's okay to feel away about it, really feel it, and don't don't try to push it aside. Cause when you push it aside, it compounds. So much thing happened in our 2020. We we it's like some things that happen. We say, yo, alas, hear that because we cannot believe how much trauma we've absorbed in the past nine months. But what I've been doing to get through this nine months. And the rest of the year is faith, unbelievable faith. And when I can't get it for myself, I find somebody who's strong at night, I'm going to ask them to give me some, share some of it. I talked about my son earlier this year. He was hospitalized for an unknown cause to the point where, you know, he's going to be studied as, you know, it's a teaching hospital is going to learn how to treat other kids that if this rare thing ever happens to them again. I can't say that I do this out of my own strength. I had to pull on the strength of others to give me strength. And not everybody has that strength. So I had to know and I had to be wise in who I asked for support. So whatever it is that is you're struggling with right now, it could be 
losing a job, getting furloughed, you know, you don't know if the landlord is going, you, whatever it is, you know, a business, whatever it is, you don't know, you don't know what to do anymore. You ask for help. If you're not sure, you do what you can. At this point, I think there is even a shortage of therapists, black therapists, therapists who can understand the black experience. It's, it's just so much. Figure out what works for you. Ask for help. Ask a therapist. If a therapist is not available to take patients, I need some strategies, something. So it could be stressing over school, balancing work and balancing the kids at home at the same time. I'm dealing with the, the reality that my my company, they're they no longer going to have a local office. Before I had the luxury to say, uh, I want more space to spread out. I'm going to go into the office. But I work from home most of the time. Now I'm not going to have that. There's no longer a separation from home and work. It's just like I'm I'm at work and I'm at home at the same time in dealing with the kids and school and all of this and, you know, people passing and, you know, everything that we're possibly dealing with in the moment. And every night, how I cope, I can honestly say how I cope is I make sure I spend time with God every morning and every night. And it's like, I wish I could get some music throughout the day, but I can't. I can't put the headphones in because I need to hear what the kid's doing, right? But that is how I cope every day. And I write through, you know, sometimes, you know, I don't want you, I, I, I'm not even telling this to make you feel like, you know, I have like prayers that I could just speak. Nope. Some of my prayers are just literally journal entries. I write my prayers because sometimes, you know, if you feel like, oh, I can't pray like this pastor, or this person, I can't pray like none of those. I'm, And actually, I've always tried to compete, like compare myself to my grandmother when praying. And I said, I can't pray like that. So I just write in the journal and just have a conversation with God. You know, just kind of start where you are. As we start like third quarter, you know, September is my birth month. And it's like, for me, it's, I always feel like this is my new year. And I just kind of wanted to share this with you in hopes that it encourages you that right now in this moment, life is hard, really, really hard. We're not going to take any of that away. People out here struggling, but I have faith that together, I know my family and I are going to get through this. And I shared the experience because back then I didn't think like, oh my God, I have the strength to go through that. But resilience is you build that, you get stronger, but you also do that when you get help. And I want to encourage you, if you feel like you need to talk to a therapist, just do it, right? And if you feel like I just need to talk to somebody so somebody can listen to me, just ask. So this wasn't an episode to really give answer, but to really share my some stuff that I don't, I've never really gone into the details. You know, my friends keep saying that, you know, I go through things, I deal with them. They see and watch me go through it, I talk about it. And then I'm like, on to the next. They call me the crisis person. I just know how to go through crisis. And it feels that way to them. But with me going through it, whew, it heavy, but, but at the same time, you know, I make sure that I talk to people and I get the support that I need. So what are you needing support with? 
do need help finding the resources, the recommendations, because again, I had to step out my immediate circle to get help. And it wasn't that these friends that weren't good. It was just like for what I needed at that time, they weren't able to give it to me and that was okay. You know, if I, if I get a little cut, my friends could probably give me a bandaid and neosporin and put on it. Right. But if I have a cut where I need sutures and stitches, my, my friends, them don't know for the first thing about doing that. Me, I forget other help, other people who probably know how to stitch up wounds. Like my brothers are vets. Them know how to do combat medical care or until me can find myself to a hospital. Right. So look at things in that context. Um, so I wanted to share that. I really felt compelled to share that. You know, it's been a rough year. We acknowledge that. But, you know, we're going to get through this. We're going to get through this and you know, support and ask for help. Is there a resource? Is there a guest that was on here that said something? Whatever it is, let me know. Hello at carryonfriends.com. Um, I wanted. I, it's too early for me to talk about back to school. I can tell you I've just been preparing, but you know, um, at the, by the time you hear this, my son will be in school, like maybe a couple days already. And it's too early to kind of say how it's going, but you know, I'm pushing through. I've been more intentional about listening to my books again, trying to get rest. And I've been trying to hold my friends accountable and they're trying to hold me accountable. We're trying to whole space and I always a top about work to just try to find time to just, you know, do things that help us relieve stress, talk about the stress and empathize with where each, where we are, you know, about weight gain and how we feel like we're slow. All of the things, it don't, don't it don't matter how big or small, you know, because everybody problem relative to them. So it's not about which problem bigger or smaller. It's, it's how it's impacting you. So if it's impact you, it, it it matters, right? Because it just does. So I'm sorry, I don't know how to close this episode other than, you know, I just wanted to share my story. If you have any questions or you want resources about how you could be supported through what is a very tough year or resources that you need, you are looking for it, you can't find it, you don't know where to turn, let me know. Um, I'll find if I don't already have this resource available, I might I know somebody who will know somebody I could get resources. Um, but yeah, just let me know. All right. Email hello at carryonfriends.com. And until next time, walk good. You've been listening to Carry On Friends, a show about the Caribbean American experience. We post new episodes every two weeks. And if you want to learn more, buy merchandise or sign up for our newsletter, check out our website carryonfriends.com You've been listening to Carry On Friends, a show about the Caribbean American experience, produced by Breadfruit Media. We post a new episode every 2 weeks on Tuesday, and if you're looking to learn more, buy our merch or sign up for a newsletter, check out carryonfriends.com or find us on all social media platforms at carryonfriends. Oh,